one of the key things that I love about Twilio is, is we put our heart and soul into the developer experience. It's about engagement in the community. It's about, you know, finding like a simple solution to answering your question. Like, I'm sure if, if you could kind of come up with a random thing that you want to do with Twilio, there's probably a developer evangelist that's written a blog post about it or somebody in our community that's written a blog post about it. And you would just follow what they did and you know, go and grab a quick deploy app and away you go, right? Like that's the beauty of the developer experience and really building something out that's kind of fun, interesting, but it's also like there and available for developers. Everyone, welcome to the Tech Seeking Human podcast. And I'm really excited to have Vanessa Thompson with me from Twilio, who is a senior director of product marketing. She happens to have an accent and I personally love people with accents. Vanessa, how are you? I'm good. I Thank you. I know. Oh, <laughs> you're really killing me. Over What's here. your Usually accent? Come only- on. Yeah. Usually I'm the only one with an accent, but I'm from New Zealand originally. So we'll just kind of leave our beef at the door and um, we can just Choice, like, get over that really quickly. Van- Vanessa, what are you doing? This is a B2B technology podcast. Uh, it's supposed to be dead I'm serious. Sorry. You're not allowed to get on here and laugh and have a good time. And I said to you, it'd be fun if we laughed from the start, but I didn't expect you to do it in the first three seconds. I'm sorry about that. We'll keep, well, you know, we'll keep it all. Okay. Can we be serious for a second? Here. Right. Yeah, let's be serious for a second. So you're a New Zealander living in San mm. Francisco. Um, yeah. Has your sister, I mean, your prime minister rung you and asked you to come home yet oh, from Cindy? San Francisco no, like our prime no, minister they, in Australia no. did in the middle of COVID? <sighs> no. She didn't? Yeah. No. Well, I mean, let's not go there because it's a whole thing. <laughs> it's a whole thing. It, well, you know we all got asked to come home. You did? You know, Australians got asked to come home by the Prime Minister. Yeah, in the middle of COVID, like three months in, I was over in the US and they said, if you're coming, you need to come home now. And it was like your dad going, "Get, I'm sick of you, but out there for that long, get home now immediately. Yeah, that didn't happen. So all that all that happened, I will tell you though, because now now I'm, I'm in it, right? So but the Deputy Prime Minister at the beginning of COVID said, if you're if you're out in New Zealand, you should probably go home because there's going to be not a you know not a huge amount of chances for you to get home. And he was kind of right. And then he became the not deputy prime minister anymore. And so like everybody's like, "Told you so," because then they turned on MIQ and nobody could go home because that was a huge palaver. Oh, so wow. there you go. <laughs> but the borders are open now, so that's good. Yay, tourism. Yeah, we're all good. We've all moved on. So here we are now. Let's reintroduce. No, I'm only kidding. Um, Vanessa, you're a senior director at Twilio. I've personally been really interested in you folks at Twilio. I think you've um, got a really quirky thing going on. The more I start to follow the company and I see their events and coffee cups turn up at my house with Twilio on it and I've got a book over my shoulder from your CEO, the more I look at the company, the more I go, you guys are kind of interesting. You've really got this developer community. Seems like you're having a hell of a lot of fun going on, but you join with like 800 people. Has it always been this way? Yeah, it's it's such an interesting place to be. So I first got introduced to Twilio in like 2012 at a, like a tech event in the US called Enterprise Connect. It's like the... 
I guess back then it was like this dodgy communications technology event and it was all about, you know, unified communications and how to do voice, VoIP this and all of that kind of stuff. And so there was these people called Twilio and they were at the event. They had like a little as booth um, and I was meeting with some of the Twilio team then and it was, it was back then they were the only people who had built APIs on top of this like horrible like communications tech stack. And I just thought at the time, this is super interesting. Uh, funnily enough, I met the only other Kiwi that was working at Twilio at the time and was like, hey, we should know each other. And so we first met back then. Um, but I've been following the company ever since 2012, since I met them all the way back then. And I eventually joined um, with this friend of mine in 2018 and came into the company. But, you know, really like blossomed um, because of the fact that they started with developers. Like they, they, they were at this Enterprise Connect event because it was all about uh, communications technology, but that wasn't where um, where all of their main base of developers were. These are web developers that have been trying to build communications into their apps for the longest time, and they didn't have $3 million, and they didn't have the ability to go and code against some like soap-based like technology that all of the, you know, they, they didn't have a bunch of money to like build against Cisco's APIs at the time because they were just really hard to work with. Um, and so this was just a really exciting new avenue for them to explore and it really started small and uh, just kept building. So, yeah. Is the company still it's such an interesting thing? So they developed a solution. They found a gap in the market. They developed it. Jeff Lawson is the CEO. I think I, I'm going to look over my mm. shoulder. I think I got that right. Tell me if I got that wrong. Um, but yeah, fascinating story, right. a CEO that codes. I, I love stories yeah. where the executives or the, the original team, they think through a gap in the market. They focus on developers. A lot of companies in the end, they end up going, hey, we're going to go where some of the dollars are. We're going to go, you know, big operations teams, cloud engineering teams, CIO, CTO. You guys have stayed core to developers and developers sort of rule the world now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, developers are where we started and where we'll continue to go because I think one of the key things that I love about Twilio is, is we put our heart and soul into the developer experience. And it's not just about like the way that you've built your product from the beginning. I talked a little bit about, you know, the fact that we built APIs, but we built communications in the cloud. It wasn't even in the cloud before. So we not only like brought it to the cloud, we put APIs that are really beautiful on top of it. And, and the developer experience isn't just about the code. It's about how you get to the code and how you learn about using the 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 API itself, right? So it's about documentation. It's about engagement in the community. It's about, you know, finding like a simple solution to answering your question. Like, I'm sure if if you could kind of come up with a random thing that you want to do with Twilio, there's probably a developer evangelist that's written a blog post about it or somebody in our community that's written a blog post about it. And you would just follow what they did and, you know, go and grab a quick deploy app and away you go, right? Like that's the beauty of the developer experience and really building something out that's kind of fun, interesting, but it's also like there and available for developers. Yeah, the develop for those that aren't familiar with the developer community, and mm -hmm. you know it better than I do, but from what I see, it's, it's people that genuinely want to help other people build things. So they, like you mm -hmm. said, they write blog posts to share their experiences. It sort of almost feels open source, but obviously naturally you have to have commercial entities in there as well. 
it, it mm. just sort of feels like they're like to your point there is this community there's sort of this ethos where it's like i want to help lift other people up and help them work on solutions and come up with innovative ideas and then naturally across companies people are sharing really kind of cool ideas on solving problems there's a really interesting split too though right so there's like there's the sort of evangelist kind of people so they're the like hobbyist but really extra so they want to code something because it's fun and like they want to get you know they want to get their hands on keyboard and they're like oh that looks really super cool I wonder if I can do this and make myself a you know IOT garage door opener or something you know and they'll go in and try and figure out how to do that there's plenty of developers that did that so they're the hobbyist like extra you know but then there's also a whole bunch of vocational developers that we've worked with at Twilio too and you know, we'll do like enterprise hackathons and things like that, where we'll bring a bunch of people from that are developers inside a company. And maybe they're called engineers, maybe they're called technical program managers, maybe they're called something else, not quite a developer. Uh, but we'll bring them all together and they can hack around and do something in a couple of days facilitated by some of our team as well. And so we have like this really amazing set of teams that kind of can come together and build stuff and actually learn new skills and keep fresh and keep current. Like when, you know, maybe that's not what they code every day for work, right? Like they might work on a specific set of Mm. apps or just a specific problem, but we can kind of get in the way of that and start to really kind of push the boundaries of what they can create and what they can actually build. Because if they can imagine something that's going to work for their business, like they can probably build something like that with Twilio. Have you ever thought about, because I love, like enterprise hackathons just sound like fun. And when I say Twilio's event, it just looked like fun. It looked like people are having a good time. And it reminded me a little bit of, um, I've recently been thinking about how happy are companies? Like if you could genuinely mm. summarize a, a happiness of a company, which departments are the happiest? And I started thinking through what makes you happy within what, what it is that you do. Okay, so uh, I'm, if, I'm, if I continue to learn, does that make me happy? And I've sort of come to the conclusion, it's like when you're at school, you're learning all this stuff and you seem happy. Uh, developers are continually learning. I think people within marketing mm. are continually learning and then there are other departments that aren't. And I just think there's naturally this kind of cool, I don't know, it just is that you're riding this wave of like you're marketing to developers that seemingly see happy because they're learning all these new things and it just seems exciting. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely super exciting because like um, I, I actually don't think that um, like – it's by department. I think the entire company is growing as one kind of in unison, right? So, and there's there's a few things going on which make it kind of pretty interesting. The first one is that like developers come to us and get really excited and want to build more stuff. So the people that are closest to them like get the energy, right? And then everyone else um, that's at the company, like, you know, accounting and finance and, um, you know, any of those operations team and that those kind of teams are like gosh how do we support like making sure that we can keep these developers and our big enterprise customers happy and so i think like you know we're, we're all going through this growth mindset as like an entire organization and really pushing like the company forward and it's really interesting to kind of watch the entire 
like group of people that we work with every day, like all kind of push forward for the same goal. And it's really like you said this earlier about Jeff and how he's a developer and he likes to get his hands on the keyboard. And I think part of it is just the culture that he's built at the company. And he's he's kind of really helped push us um, through this growth mindset. And we have something called um, the Twilio Magic Values. So like every company has like a mission and values and all those kinds of things. Well, we have... Some, some pretty interesting values like one is be an owner so that kind of talks to the growth mindset so everyone in any function can be an owner and see like gosh there's a gap here I'm gonna go figure out like how to solve that everyone needs to be curious and so like first you maybe you've identified the gap or like you're trying to understand why someone's doing something in a way that they are those kinds of things um that's one of our values as well. One of our values is uh, being a builder. And so that talks to like the growth mindset explicitly. All right. But I, I think, you know, it's it's a pretty important um, and interesting value. And so uh, there's, there's these Twilio magic values are just part of like building the growth mindset for us all as an entire company and kind of growing and moving like as a whole team together as one, you know. That's, this is the second time I've had a podcast recording with someone from Twilio and they've both brought up the the sort of the values of the company or the mission. Yeah. And that, that to me suggests that it's strong. If if people yeah, are genuinely strong, yeah. believe it and they happen to bring it up only 10 minutes into a conversation with someone externally, it means yeah. that it works. Why is it working? Is, is it believable? Is it, are you like, are you injected with it when you first start and you're like, thou shall always talk about our values 11 minutes into a podcast? <laughs> well, I think uh, most of it is the company's grown so fast that, you know, there's one is one dynamic is that we've outgrown things that don't serve us because, you know, when I joined the company it was 800 people and it's now like, you know, 10x that, right? And so like the 800 people company processes don't really work for the 8,000. And so like one aspect is you got to grow out of it, but you got to create something lightweight and for people to get along with. Um, so there's that aspect. And then the other yeah. aspect is like um, we see people live the values pretty regularly because we have to, because if you don't, then we're going to be like running over the top of each other. And so I think um, that element of it is, is kind of the piece where, you know, they're just relatable and practical enough for people to just go, gosh, like, they're, they're all like doing words as well. And so like they're, they're pretty like easy to, to live through. Uh, we had an older value. It's not part of our kind of, you know, quadrant model anymore, but I really liked it, which was no shenanigans. It's still kind of part of our like mantra as a company. And I just really liked it as somebody that works in the marketing department because to me, no shenanigans was like, you know, we're going to put all of our pricing on our website and we're going to like make sure that we don't oh, make stuff up and we're going to, in our marketing, we're going to make sure that we're, you know, telling the truth, but we're also like um, being critical of ourselves and making sure that we're not doing shenanigans internally and like holding information from different teams and that kind of thing. So, you know, I think it's definitely evolved over time as we've grown, but like that was one of my previous favorites too. Yeah, no shenanigans is like just be it to me. I didn't get it at first. Uh, I thought it might have been like don't drink all the champagne at you know first thing in, on the Friday morning. Give everyone else mm -hmm. a go. 
um, and then and then just don't run around like a like a wild thing. But um, it genuinely probably means like just be authentic, like be sensible and yeah. act like an adult. Like, and I like the authenticity of like, you know, just put the pricing on the website. I I, I, look, I worked previously with a company and they were like, can't put the pricing on the website. And I go, why not? And they go, because we don't want people to know the pricing. And I go, but people want to know the pricing. And I go, yeah, we don't want to tell them. We want them to contact us. And I go, why are we being annoying? I go, because the top search volume for our company is company pricing. <laughs> so they're looking for it. They can't find it. And they'll just go and get it from someone who can give them the pricing because they can't be bothered. And your marketing to exactly. developers, that's really hard. You've got to give them what mm-hmm. they want. And to your point, no shenanigans. Don't, don't try and bullcrap them. Yeah, exactly. And the other fun thing about marketing to developers is they will call BS like right away. Like if you launch a product that is not ready for prime time and you say sign up here and like download, you know, download this app or whatever um, and it doesn't work for them, they <laughs> you will be like ranking first on Hacker News and it will, you will be eviscerated because of the fact that you know, we told you you could sign up for something and you couldn't. So it's like developer marketing rule number one, like don't say something that you can't deliver on. Have you lived through this or is this just the fear that is encouraging you to maintain a nice customer experience? Well, I, I haven't lived through it. I've I've lived through the this is really awesome ranked number one on hacking. I can't believe I can do that when we launched the oh, Super Sim, and uh, it was it was a pretty, I guess you could say revolutionary. That's like a bad marketing word, but you you could sort of see like how excited people were when we um, when we started with the Super Sim because we were giving out physical SIM cards and people were like, oh my gosh, I can code against the SIM card. This is wild. <laughs> like, let me put it in my device and wow. see what I can do. You know, it was, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Well, what were they doing? A whole bunch of stuff. Like um, you have scooters in Sydney, right? Like all the scooter micro mobility yeah. companies. Yeah. I mean, Vanessa, I'm in Melbourne. Um, I just want to let you in on a little news flash. That's sort <laughs> is of it a th- it's like not a, the wait, most important city, city right? in Australia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, wait, yeah, it's yeah. A real city? Like I know you're Canadian okay. and everything, but yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Um, yeah, okay. geography. Yeah, okay. Keep going. I'm not editing this at all. I'm deeply offended that you said I was in Sydney. And yes, I have scooters. And Sorry. guess what? During the <laughs> pandemic, I bought... No, don't apologize. I'm only staring at you. Um, in the pandemic, um, I bought a whole heap of Lime scooters that were destined for San Francisco, but because of COVID, oh. they were just sitting there. So I bought a stack of them and brought them back to Melbourne. Now they sit in my garage and I scoot around all the time. But yes, now that you offended me by saying Sydney, can you please tell me um, about the story about the scooters? So one of the, if you deconstruct one of those Lime scooters in your garage, um, you, not garage, you will find that yeah. um, there is a, a, a there's like a black box on the front of it, right? If you pull that off, that's like the connectivity box. Yeah. If you pull that off and you like unscrew it or whatever, and you like open it up, you will probably find a Twilio SIM card in there. Really? Yeah, really. You know, it's I'm gonna super SIM. I'm gonna pull it apart. You know, I'm gonna pull it apart. <laughs> okay, now. so you know that there's, there's a box it. on the front, right? The box on the front, yeah. it's going to be like the little connectivity box. 
Um, so they manufacture like that separate to the actual scooter part, right? Because the thing with the thing with those devices is like, how do you tell one between another when you're manufacturing like thousands and thousands of devices? Uh. So unless you want to put a unique identifier on every single like scooter that they're manufacturing, like they would have to like change the entire like manufacturing process just to like change one element of it so what they do is they manufacture a whole bunch of scooters that are exactly the same and then they put this little connectivity box on the front and the connectivity box is going to have a way to um, add a unique identifier then you can do that like through the actual hardware in the connectivity box or you can actually do it through like a little like certificate that you would put on the sim card itself um, to attribute like a different unique identifier for each device. So that's how you would know like on the app, well, there's a Lime scooter on, you know, what Track is it called? Flinders Station or whatever versus like somewhere else. Oh, you did it. You mentioned something in know. Melbourne, just like off the cuff. <laughs> it's Flinders. Yep. Yeah, you did it. Well, it's Flinders. Yeah, right? really good. Um, okay. Yeah. I used to work at ANZ Bank, and so I did have to go to Melbourne sometimes. You know what's funny about ANZ Bank is um, in America, I don't know if you know this, but they'll say like, um, when I was at this other company, ANZ Bank won an award, and they go, and the award for blah, blah, goes to ANZ Bank. And I go, ANZ? (laughs) Who's ANZ Bank? ANZ, yeah. That's weird. (laughs) And then I looked at the logo, and I went, yeah, no, that's ANZ. Um, I didn't know that with the SIM card, so that means my my scooter Mm. is trackable. Yeah, your, all can, your scooters like, are trackable. Because they probably, I mean, it's, yeah, but it, mine's not Lime anymore, right? So, like, I got it and it's not a lot, it's a Lime branded scooter, but clearly they were like, we can't have these just sitting here. And so, we, mm. I brought it home and it, so I can track it with my app through Segway because it's actually a Segway scooter, but that means oh, there's a, okay. if there's a SIM card in there, but I'm still going to pull so it like, apart. Check if, of, yeah. So, just check. Sorry, just check if there's like that box thing on the front. And if there is yeah, still okay. like... I'll just keep pulling it all it apart and then I'll send you a bill. <laughs> I'm going to pull yeah, it all apart and if I don't find a SIM card, I'm going to send a bill. Just send me your address afterwards so I know who to invoice. Um, what? Uh-huh. Tell me some other cool stories. Tell me some other cool stories of like what, do you, what, do you, what are your favorite stories when it comes to people that are developing interesting initiatives with Twilio? There's like companies that have done really cool things. And then, you know, yeah. because I'm one of the, some, I'm like a, a regular judge of the enterprise hackathons. I see some of these just oh. crazy things, but also really simple things that companies are building. So I'll tell you a couple of short stories from the hackathon just because they're really fun. You know, because uh, maybe, pe- maybe you know, people in the knows. audience will go like, I have this simple problem. I need to do, build a hack, right? So there was this insurance yeah, company. Yeah, and now you also know, hey, Vanessa, Yeah. hang on. What? Now everyone knows who to bribe. They know who to bribe in your enterprise hackathon because you said you're one of the oh, judges, yeah. right? So if there's only two I or mean, three judges. If you get bribed ahead of time, they're going to win, right? So if anyone wants to bribe Vanessa, you now know this is how you do it. All right, now tell us a story. Sorry for interrupting okay, with yeah. my childish humor. Assigned an NDA, no bribery allowed, you know, whatever, whatever. Um, okay, so um, yeah. now I've lost my train of thought. Okay, so there's this insurance company. Vanessa Thompson, and they, Care of New Zealand. Yeah, correct. Yep. Um, <laughs> For an embassy so, in San Francisco. I'm sure it'll get to her. 
we don't have an embassy in San Francisco, so that's anyway. Um, New Zealand doesn't. Not in San Francisco. Do you have one in America? Yeah, yeah, in LA. I know this is so silly, but I have a, the Australian government, I had to renew my passport and I was in Boston and they don't have a, a Australian embassy in Boston. It's in New York, right? So this guy rings me and he goes, and my wife said, look, this, the guy, Paul, from the Australian government might, might ring you. And he goes, I went, okay. And all of a sudden he gets a call. Hey, Dave, it's, uh, this is Paul from the Australian embassy. I'm like, oh, shit. Um, and he goes, what's your birthday? What's your daughter's birthday? And I go, which one? And um, he goes, your youngest child, Elise. And he was all serious. And I go, um, um, oh, uh, 18th of the 4th oh, and gave the year. And he goes, correct. Your wife didn't think you would get it correct. And if you didn't, I wouldn't be issuing you a passport. And then he started laughing. He goes, no, nah, I'm only kidding, mate. How you doing? <laughs> See, we can't talk I was to the like, government. They're did you people. seriously just get socially engineered? <laughs> <laughs> you could have by the Australian government. Oh, I know oh, I could have, and I didn't. You know, no, I probably shouldn't have given away. Well, I will. Yeah. I will just so, give a plug for the New serious. Zealand. Wait, wait. I will give a plug for the New Zealand passport okay. department because because I had to renew my passport um, actually in 2020, and I went online. I did absolutely everything online, including taking a photo with my um, camera on my laptop. And they just did some AI and said, like, yes, that's the right kind of photo. I paid the money and it got to me in six days, not six business days, six days. And it got wow. sent to me from the London office uh, and it arrived to me in a DHL bag. And I was like, fantastic. Good job, New Zealand Passport Office. So there you go. Good that story. That is very good. Nobody had to well, call is, me. I mean, they're only like, issuing what? It's, it's what, 11 passports a year? I mean, it's not. We're not talking like you know, stream stream scale. But to be fair, it was it was in twenty twenty. It was in twenty twenty during COVID. So props to them. Uh, Good job, New Zealand. That is very good, actually. To think complete digital online photo Um, and passport delivered. It's actually pretty impressive. Doesn't surprise mm -hmm. me. Okay. Okay. Let's go back to the. Let's go back to the task at hand, which we're still trying to solve. Which is the Twilio examples, your favorite stories. Let's do this. My we favorite can do this. story. We can so, be serious. We can be serious. I, so I have I have so many, so many stories, but I think there's just a couple that come to mind because they're really interesting. So and for different reasons. So this one insurance company was saying it was the guys from the IT help desk. And they were like, they came to the hackathon, they wanted to learn about how to use Twilio because you know, their employees are their customers. Like that's who they have to build for. They, they like wanted to do something better than what they had. So they had a bunch of apps that they already used for like ticketing and all of that kind of thing. The biggest problem was that people were calling in. And this is a huge insurance company with like thousands of employees. And people were calling in to the service desk mm-hmm. to see like, you know, what updates were coming and like, you know, things were down or whatever. So if, if something wasn't working, they had no way to like tell everybody something wasn't working. And so everybody had to call in and then they had these, these help desk agents just like pick up the phone. So it was like literally a call center for the IT help desk. So that's how many employees they had. So, wow. so you can kind of understand the volume here. And they built something in mm-hmm. a day, which was like a super simple, um, like voice 
based IVR system, like an interactive voice response. So if you've ever like, I don't know, called a bank or a phone company or something, I don't know, Optus was the worst when I was there. So like, let's pick on them. So like, uh, you know, press one for billing and two for, you know, to, to speak to an agent or associate or whatever. So yeah. like, that's, that's what we call a, um, like a dial tone multi-frequency like interactive voice response system these guys built like a you know hey i want to you know i want to see my bill or i want to do like that so that's a conversational ai based one in one day these guys built this ivr that was able to to tell people commands so they would call in and they would say hi everyone like microsoft office is getting reset on blah day and um I don't know, you know, your phone system is going to be down in so-and-so office between these hours and, you know, whatever, like to do basically all of the alerts. And it, it they turned it on for like a really small set of their um, employees and it diverted almost 50% of the calls that they had going into their little internal help desk uh, in those first few days. And they were like, oh, my goodness, this is wild. Like, we had no idea that we were going to wow. build something so basic and so simple. And it was going to be able to divert the calls like that. And so, like, within two days, they were able to build something that's super usable uh, and that helps people understand what was going on in their business. And it was just so simple. And they were just... I guess the reason why I really like the story is because they were just so pumped. This was just like IT guys that had never done anything like remotely this quickly before. They really just like deployed the systems that they got told to deploy and they never really kind of pushed the boundaries of what they could do. And this was just such a small change that had such a massive impact for them. Um, and it was really simple. So they just used Twilio Voice and a tool that we have called Studio, which is like a low-code um, thing where you just drag and drop, um, uh, you know, in a visual workflow builder, let's say, and you can just say like, okay, well, here's the tree and you just build it out yourself. And, you know, when you, when you say this, it will go to here. And when you say that, it will go to here and you just build the tree out and then write a little bit of connecting and then you can turn it on and call the phone number and see if it works. It's pretty cool. That's remarkable because, yeah, that's a really big change for a team. I can imagine they're probably sitting around at lunch going, geez, I'm getting sick of all these phone calls. I wish if we didn't answer so many calls, maybe we could do a job. And then um, and then quite quickly, they've turned it around like in a couple of days and then you were talking drag and drop, no code. Like is Twilio that easy to use? Is it like you don't really need to be a coder to figure it out? You can still, um, you know, drag things around and bit, and get results. I mean... So I will say I'm a marketer, um, and yeah. I I've built an I've built a Twilio app, but I definitely am not a coder by any means. And I can go in and build myself like a bunch of different apps with Twilio if I really wanted. I've built my own one of those systems with the Studio at like the Visual Workflow Builder. I've built like an SMS yeah. survey. I did a um I did one of a like presentations for some customers during COVID. And I did like a little demo myself where I sent them a little survey over SMS and they sent me back, you know, what they thought of the presentation. And I built it all using my own Tulio account with this little visual workflow builder. Wow. So you just go in there, click, like I want to do an SMS survey. It brings you up an example tree. And then you just add the language that you want to add in. 
like you add the phone, you connect to the phone number in that you want that you've purchased from Twilio's console and then connect it all up and then away you go. It's pretty simple, yeah. So the next time I go to present, I can set this up and then go, hey guys, let me know what you think of my presentation. Just SMS me at 1-800-DAVE-WAS-AWESOME. And, um, and, they, and can, we can do like a survey. Of, is that basically mm-hmm. what you're saying? I mean, we, yeah, pretty much, yeah. Oh, and then I'll just rig it so everyone says yes anyway. Yeah. No, well, that's awesome. I mean, I've, um, <laughs> I, they're the sort of innovative, cool little um, quirky things that I think if it's that simple for, for marketers to be able to figure it out, then, you know, the developers are actually developing pretty serious solutions. We had David on before. He was talking about like what Woolworths was doing, what Domino's Pizza mm. were doing. Like there's some serious enterprises also. Like I go, I guess we don't, we shouldn't be remiss of, 100% there's small development teams and marketers having fun with this, but it's also a very serious yeah. um, uh, platform as well. Yeah, I mean, there's some really exciting and serious things going on with Twilio. I mean, I um, like there's a, there's a department store in Japan that's sort of like Macy's here in the US. It's a really big department store. Um, and if you've ever been shopping in Japan, it's like a next level experience, right? They, even before the pandemic, mm-hmm. were working on like, how do we digitize the experience in our store and really bring data in, into the experience? And so like, if you were in the, let's say if you were in the shoe department, they, they would make you put your foot on this little digital scanner thing and it would scan like the size and width and all of those things and then bring up like an inventory system to say like, here are all your shoe options, which would be best for you sort wow. of situation when they were in the store. Uh, and then when COVID hit, they, they had to quickly pivot, right? Like, like almost every company uh, because everything just went automatically online. And so they built out this pretty exciting remote shopping experience. And think about how difficult it is for a department store. It's not as if it's just like buying one thing. You go to each different department and buy something totally different. Like in shoes, you buy shoes. In housewares, you buy like sheets. And, you know, you can buy pans and you can buy like rugs and you can buy, you know, things. So they they kind of had to take this like complex department store experience and boil it down into an app. So in three months time with their development team, and they kind of just redeployed people that were working on this digital store experience because the store was closed, right? So they just redeployed them and put them in. <clears throat> and then they were able to take a couple of Twilio things, like Conversations, which is a multi-channel, multi-party like app, um, app that helps you. Well, it's actually an API that, that lets you talk to different participants over different channels, right? So I could be talking to you on SMS and you could be replying to me in WhatsApp, would still be able to connect the conversation together and 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 as an administrator have a record of like who's saying what in, in the conversation. So that was something that was really integral to the experience. They needed a way to engage with users on multiple different channels. And then they build video inside that as well, which was super fascinating. So people in the store, like if, if sometimes the, an associate was still able to be in the store to show people um, some of the things that were on the shop floor, right? Like if you wanted to look at jewelry, it's kind of hard to buy jewelry online. So they were like, okay, so here's how big it is on my hand and here's how it looks on my skin tone and all these things. They were able to do it over a of a video. So they built that all into the app as well. And, you know, within three months, they were able to build out this pretty sophisticated experience. And 
drop it in the app store for their customers and they're still going today and they're still building out a bunch of different you know features and enhancements into the app so there's just it's just like I was saying earlier you just kind of imagine what you can build and you you can start to make it a reality that's so cool I like the multi-channel yeah yeah, the multi-channel kind of communications people communicate in Mm -hmm. any way that they want and I laughed at the shoe thing because I went into a shoe store recently and I was like I looked at the shoes and went oh I really like these shoes do you have them and they go away and come back and go no I don't have that size and then I grabbed another pair and I go do you have these and the guy came back like three minutes later no I do not have those and I go do you have these and he goes away and I'm like don't worry about it man this is way too difficult (laughs) like (laughs) I spent 12 minutes standing there for him just to keep yeah, just to keep going away. I was like, yeah, exactly. Reverse engineer this. Underneath each shoe, have a live like feed of like how many, what stock of shoe, what size are you? Da, 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 da. Seven and a half, eight and a half, nine and a half. And I'm like, we got three in stock. Like I have a live feed of the shoe so I'm not sitting there wasting all my time. Um, what are you most excited about? What do you, what do you think? We've just gone through COVID. Twilio has just announced being a 100% remote or the option to be remote, which doesn't surprise me for a company that seems to have a very strong culture. What are you looking forward to? What am I looking forward to? This, there's just so much going on, right? I think like there's so much changing in our industry. For one, like as a marketer, I think um, the cookies going away is just going to be a massive massive change for people in our industry and I think people are going to have to get used to it really quickly and I think the the you know the center of gravity about how you engage with your customers is going to have to shift and it's going to shift through like throughout the customer journey into multiple different places and so I think about you know when you get onboarded onto a new app like think about like the last app you downloaded how many boxes did you have to fill in to you know, get started to actually sign up to use their app? Like, did you just go, oh, this is so annoying. I don't want to go through all the boxes and just like ditch out of their app. Well, that marketer, who whoever targeted you, just spent, I don't know, $400 trying to target you to get you on their app and then you dropped out of the process because it was too hard to onboard. Well, that's like a really super interesting like thing that we're like we can solve for a toilet like there's a bunch of different things that we can solve for we can solve for like how do you get engaged over all of these different channels we've got some um new solutions that we're building to totally engage for those kinds of things like hyper personalization but also just the way that you in the way that you communicate not just about the advertising and how you get retargeted so i think there's a bunch of super interesting things going on at twilio and then on the remote work thing, like I'm, I'm just excited. Like, seventy percent of my team that like works in my group is remote, and so, you know, we we're just like organizing an offsite. Actually, I was doing it right before because you know that's like a really important part of building a remote first culture. Is like when we do get together, we want to make sure that we're making those connections because it's really hard to do that virtually, and so you know, when we get together, what fun things are we going to do too? And like, how are we going to make sure that we're, we've got all those connections and that they're real and we're able to work together as a team. So yeah, it's a bunch going on, but I'm super excited. Cool answer. I think that it's, it's not going to be called an offsite anymore. It might have to be called an onsite. Yeah. Well, I mean, hopefully we'll do some stuff onsite. They've, yeah, we've, 
We've got a really um, fun new uh, renovated office that I've yet to be uh, yet to go into, so I'm excited to check it out too. Well, there's lots going on. I have really appreciated your chat um, and apologies for starting the conversation, making fun of your accent. I wasn't really making fun of your accent. I was joking around that we both have accents, which is always fun. And I've appreciated every conversation I've had with Twilio people. You guys are really, um, you're really passionate about what it is that you do, which makes conversations really easy to have and um so it must be a really interesting company to work for but also an interesting company to partner with and um and to learn from so um congrats on continuing to uh to be that passionate inquisitive person and i wish you all the best for the future and good luck with your passport i don't know what you're going to do with it and where you're going to use it but you know you've got it i do it's good I can go home. <laughs> Thank you. I enjoyed the conversation as well. It was great to see you. Thanks, Dave. Awesome. Thanks, Vanessa.